moving your career further faster. That's the mission behind Cascading Leadership. Each week, we're bringing you stories of women, immigrants, members of the global majority who have risen to the ranks of senior leadership in the world of business. Get ready to gather the insights of some of the world's best business leaders and apply those to your career. If you're interested in sales and marketing effectiveness, organizational effectiveness, talent strategy, DEI, or HR tech, tune in. We're going to share with you what they don't teach you in business school. Welcome to the show. Previously on Cascading Leadership. A lot of times, one of the hardest things that you can do, it say they say it's hard to get in sales with no sales experience, even though that's changing now, but it's really hard to become a manager with no leadership experience, right? So what do you do? One of the best ways to do that is within your company. Show them, show how you can become a leader. Show them how your leadership shows up and what you're doing. Are you, do you have to always be called on by your manager to update the CRM at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, or are you doing it? Are you the one reaching out to say, hey, I can help you if you need help with this. Oh, I'll hop on that call with you. You need a senior resource. Be that person that shows up for other people. Volunteer to find ways to help. Elevate your voice. And now more of our conversation with Wesley. I don't disagree with anything that is said. I think one of the things that came out of that, the way that I understood it is you have to not only own your own responsibilities. So that's one way that you can demonstrate or show leadership. You mentioned elevate others, but there's a limit to that, right? So where do you draw the line of, hey, I want to show these things, but I don't want to be taken advantage of as a springboard into being your own agent. So what was what were the things that you learned that created that balancing act? So you make a really good point. And so this is at least something that affects women and underrepresented minorities a lot. We are taught to do a good job, keep your head down, and then you'll get promoted. We don't know how to amplify our voice. We don't know how to hate for ourselves. So you don't need to be boastful, but you need to say, hey boss, last Friday, John really needed help. And he sent me a message and we sat and we worked on XYZ for 90 minutes and he was able to close the deal, right? You just send that message. John's not going to say that because it doesn't benefit John. He got his purchase order. So really, we have to understand that it's important to amplify our voices. We need to advocate for ourselves. And advocating for yourself is not being boastful. Advocating for yourself is not being I'm self-promoting. It is saying I am doing a good job. And I do not want my contribution to go unnoticed because if you do not use your voice, people do not know that you have one. What happened that taught you those two lessons? Because there's a couple of things that you mentioned. You have to use your voice. You have to spell out and say stuff out loud that maybe you've been conditioned not to say out loud based on demographics or upbringing or whatever. What happened in your career trajectory to teach you that? I had the most amazing manager slash mentor as a early 
stage career person. And she really was instrumental in helping me understand that, hey, you need to speak up for yourself. Don't just sit down and don't just say, I'm doing this. And I think I'll even roll it back to when I was in college. So I went to a historically Black university and uh, also known as HBCU. And my department chairperson, he was very firm that we could not go to summer school. So he was like, you can't go to summer school. You go to school during the school year, but during the summer, you need to be out there getting experiences. So we went on summer internships. I worked at a nuclear power plant. I like, I did all kinds of stuff in college. And so I literally would have to do eight to 10 weeks of research and present it to a whole bunch of professors, like literally in grad students, people who knew so much more than me, people who had so much more tenure than I did. But what our professor, our department chair told us, you know a lot about what you did. Be confident in what you know and what you're doing. They know a lot about everything else, but you know a lot about your area. And so doing that practice, practicing speaking, practicing using my voice whenever I could allow me to speak up for myself. It allowed me to not say, no, that's not okay. We're not going to do that. If I remember correctly, there was a period in your career trajectory in the corporate world that uh, that kind of opened your eyes pretty big in terms of, hey, the level of appreciation or reward for the performance that you uh, you were delivering. So tell us a little bit about that. You were a high-performing individual contributor. Then you earned a leadership position. What happened when you took that leadership mantle in terms of the team that you took over and the results there? So as a person in the corporate realm, I literally had four weeks of travel. Like literally I was in Norway. I was in London. I was in New York. I was in California. I was in like, I was literally all over the world in a four week period. And at the end of that four week period, I had to present to our board. And the board, and after I presented the plan to the board, what we had done this year, that year, and what our plan was for the following year, they were like, that's it? That's all you guys have done? I was like, hold on, what do you mean that's it? That's all we've done. And I realized at that moment, no matter how hard I work or what I do or how hard I try, this is not a place that I can grow and develop. So it is important to elevate your voice. It is important to do what you need to do to climb that ladder. But at some point you have to realize whether or not the organization that you're with is one where you can grow and develop and thrive. If they are not appreciating your hard work and your investment and realizing that you're away from your family, you're away from your home. Like I remember being on FaceTime It was, I was in Norway in FaceTime watching my kids go trick-or-treating in the snow on Halloween. That is a distinct moment that is imprinted in my brain. And so your organization must have the culture that encourages that, that makes sure that you work hard and your reward is somehow. And reward is not always monetary. A lot of organizations are like, we pay you well. That's not how everyone is motivated right? People are motivated differently. And it's our job as leaders to recognize that. If you were to advise your younger self on the proper mindset as you're making this journey, 
what's the frame of mind that every employee needs to have so they're not in this position where they're quote unquote exploited for the effort that they're putting in? What should they reorient their brain to so that you're keeping your priorities in order and not creating the risk of being taken advantage of? So what you really have to do is you have to throttle, right? And when you think about throttling, it's literally... I have all of these amazing, great ideas, but instead of jumping feet first, head first and doing all things at one time, I'm going to take it one initiative at a time. And you do the one thing, you work on the one project and you see the reaction that you're getting. Is your leadership appreciating it? Are your colleagues seeming like they're jealous? So you really have to understand the environment that you're operating in. Because if you're operating in an environment that doesn't thrive on curiosity and creativity and initiative, then that may not be the place for you. But not everybody's like that. Some people are like, I just want to do my job. And if you're in a place like that, then that's where you should be. So it's really important. And I think even before you get into that position, you should do that. Because as I was going through my journey and I was like, yeah, I don't want to, this is not the right place for me. I interviewed for other companies. And there was this one company that I interviewed for. And I literally, they flew me up to New Jersey and I was there all day. And when they offered me the job, I'm like, it's just, this is not the right culture for me. They're like, but the money, I was like, nope, the culture isn't right. So you really have to do that when you're in a, when you're at that position where you're evaluating companies. And then once you're in, you need to understand how can my boss best support me and have those honest, open conversations. So it's interesting, your comment about throttling, and I made a face while you were making it because talking about one initiative at a time, and my leader is always talking to me about, dude, you got to chill out because you're trying to boil the ocean. And I'm like all about, hey, there's 50 things that need to be done. Let's just go and tackle it all at once. So the discipline that needs to be built to focus on one thing at a time, it's Oh, that's that's, hard. Oh, man. It's hard. So it's great that I have colleagues and peers who are always good at self-checking and they're like, Jim, dude, one thing, one thing. The thing that I would add to it from a mindset perspective is if you want to guard against being taken advantage of, whatever that looks like in your mind, you need to, I would advise people to kind of two things clear in their head. Everybody is a free agent. So you need to draw your boundaries on the level of investment that you're going to give on any one thing, because there is a lot more to you than the job that you're at. So make sure that you're equally distributing your effort across all the things that are important to you. Let's not get over your skis into, hey, I got to pour all my stuff in my career. But the other, the other element that I would add to your comment about throttling is from a mindset perspective, you should always be temp checking with your leadership and your stakeholders that are around you on what is this thing that I care about prioritized in terms of what the organization cares about. Because if you're moving the needle on something that you're really passionate about, but the organization doesn't really care, you're like putting a lot of effort into something that doesn't matter from the organizational perspective. This winds back to some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier about having an owner's mentality to your desk is you have to really look at it as if you're the CEO, because in fact, you are the CEO of your career. So you have to guard your resources and not get taken advantage of and make sure that you're working on the things that help develop and advance your brand and your career versus 
having it imbalanced where you're where you're pushing it out to everyone else. I think the only thing that I would that was also sparked as you were saying, and when you said that, getting that temperature check from your leadership and the stakeholders that are important for your career development is to learn how to say no or setting realistic expectations. So if you sit down and you're having your one-to-one with your leader and they're like, oh, okay, I need these 10 things done. Do you think you can get them done by the end of the month? And you just say yes, because you think that's what your leader wants to hear. That's not the right thing to do. Like having the courage to say, so thanks so much for entrusting me with all of these wonderful initiatives, but it's going to take me more like six weeks or eight weeks. So I can get these done, but I can't get all of these done because when you're overloaded, then you become burnt out and you're talking about the mindset and we talk about mental health these days. The thing is when you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, you're not at your best. And so you're only doing half, you're being a half of a parent, a half of a spouse, a half of a sibling, a half of a cousin, a half of a child. You're not being your full self to anything or anyone. And so it's not you operating in your best. For those listening, you have two brown people talking. So we already know at a certain level, culturally, you and I are oddballs because we're loud and we will speak up, but we had to learn to do that. But by and large, a lot of people that fit in our demographics tend not to be. Keep your head down, try your best, do what you can, don't rock the boat, all of these things. Establishing boundaries and saying no. I'm sure there are people who are earlier in their career that are like freaking the hell out. It's like, how am I supposed to do that? How do you break away from all of that conditioning? What are the things that you should be doing to help temperature check and get you oriented the right way, especially if you're from an underrepresented community to have more agency in yourself. Because all of these things, if you say it in the wrong way or at the wrong time, that creates a level of risk that people like us have to be aware of that the majority typically does. First of all, you got to have these conversations with yourself before you have them with anyone else. Like you said, we're both loud. We're, we both like to talk. Like I see a video of you every day on LinkedIn one of me every day on LinkedIn talking about something that is not in the norm. And, but it took practice to get there. Right. I was looking at some videos that I did a couple of years ago and I was like, wow, was that me? So just know that the first step is the first time you say no, or the first time you stand up for yourself, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard. It's going to take a lot of practice. But when you sit down and you're prioritizing what your day looks like, what's your month, what's your quarter, you literally have to write, have these written. And I always put goals in three separate categories. I say you have your personal goals, professional goals, and your financial goals. And if what you're doing, the initiative that you are being asked to lead up or to do doesn't help you achieve one of those three goals, then you have to tell yourself, I don't need to be working on this right now. I have to push it off. And so then how do you translate that into your boss? You ask, you request a meeting. So that's the first thing. Don't have, don't wait for a meeting that they call with you. You request a meeting. Hey manager, I was wondering if I could grab 20 minutes on your calendar. I have a few things I want to chat with you about. Okay. That's already putting you in a place of leadership, showing that I know how to reach out. I know how to advocate for myself and say, once you get in the meeting, take control of it. I know it's hard because you're like, okay, I- I was always taught that you respect authority. And am I not respecting authority if I take control of the meeting? 
you are respecting them. You take control of the meeting and saying, hey, this is what I wanted to discuss with you today. And you start talking about it. Ask for their feedback. Don't just go into this long diatribe, but say, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. Or you can say, you asked me to do these five things and I still have these five other things that have to get done. So I was wondering if you could help me prioritize. Ask them for help. A lot of times people don't even ask their managers for help. So it all boils down to having a conversation, using your voice and getting comfortable in using your voice. I think I think in some respects, the way that you're describing it is building an ad hoc community around your if you haven't done that already, because you one of the things that one of our other guests talked about is that you should always be building a board of directors that you can tech temperature check against. So when you're looking at building the capacity to have that level of conversation that you just described, so you're talking about managing up, what are some of the things that somebody, that an individual contributor should be doing to build that board of directors around themselves so that they are better equipped to have these conversations and be prepared for those conversations? I really like them to reach outside of their comfort zone and speak to people who they deem successful. and. Different people define success differently. A successful person to one person may be the person who's at the top of the leaderboard. A successful person to another person may be somebody who follows everything their manager says and they don't get upset about it, right? So look in your peer group and figure out who you deem successful and ask, can we have lunch together? Can we grab a coffee together? So it's not like a whole extra burden. They feel like, okay, this person is taking time away from me. And be curious. Curiosity is the best thing. Can you help me understand how you became so successful? What are the tips that you would tell your younger self? So really ask them like you're interviewing them. Maybe think about it like a discovery call, kind of. And also, this is a little bit more uncomfortable, but you talked about managing up. And when I talk about being an individual contributor or being a manager, I say you have to manage across, up, and down, right? So you go across, you find somebody who's more successful than you are. Then I always say, if you're trying to get up to another level, you want to move into a management or a leadership or the C-suite, whatever that is, try to find somebody who has a similar background to you. So me. I was a chemist. My mentor was a previous engineer who moved into sales leadership. So I was like, how did you do that? And mind you, a lot of times we have what we like to, I like to call similarity bias, right? So we want to, we're attracted to people who look like us, talk like us, sound like us. And that's okay sometimes. Sometimes you may be need to say, hey, this person doesn't look like me. They're not the same gender as me, but they're really successful. And they once started as a junior sales trainee. So I want to talk to them and I want to figure out how they got successful. So really, those are the things that I think that you really need to do to build that tribe around you. Find people on your team that are more successful and then look in the upper echelon, one step above you and steps above that. Who has a similar background as you? And when I think about what you just described, the way it strikes me is that there's there's general business advice. So if you're an entrepreneur, and I'm going to put this in the context of being entrepreneurial, you should be splitting your time where, let's say, 80% of your time is working in your business 
and the other 20% should be working on your business. So how does that relate with what you just described in terms of an individual contributor building their board of directors around them? Is there a parallel there? Absolutely. As an entrepreneur, 100% you need to be around people that are more successful than you. You don't need to be wallowing with people who are like on your same level because that's where you get ideas, right? That's how you really say, hey, wow, you've been doing this for 10, 15, 20 years. How do I become like you? Like when I first started my business, I did a SWAT. I actually make all salespeople do this, right? But I did a SWAT. And literally this year, one of the people I did my SWAT on was Colleen Stanley. I don't know if anybody knows her, but she's like a big sales trainer. And I got to meet her this year. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to meet somebody I did my SWAT on, right? And it was because I was watching what she did. I saw the things she talked about. She talks about sales leadership like I talk about it. She talks about being an empathetic leader. Like the things that I, that resonated with me, I was like, I want to understand more about her. I never had a conversation with her before I met her in person. I just follow her on LinkedIn. I sign up for her newsletter. I read her blog. So even as you're trying to develop this board of directors, as an entrepreneur, as an individual contributor, there may be someone you admire and you can't get access to them right away. Or maybe you don't want to but learn from them, learn from them, absorb their content because they're probably big on TikTok or Twitter or LinkedIn or something. And that is really what you have to do. So you shift that mindset. And then finally, you really physically need to have a tribe of people. Like I have someone and we talk all about our business, our financials, our employee, like we talk all about it. As, as an entrepreneur, you need that. You need someone that you can be 100% open and honest with. And you can be like, oh my gosh, I had a bad month. I only made this. And you're like, okay, what ideas do you have for me to do X, Y, Z? You swap ideas. You think about things. The reason why I threw out the entrepreneurial component of it as a direct parallel, fails more than just about any other function in any other organization is extremely entrepreneurial. If you're not being entrepreneurial in sales, you're doing it wrong. It is for nerds like us, it's great because you get to experiment and A-B test everything that you can think of. You can A-B test subject lines on emails and see what happens. If you're not doing that and you're expecting to be successful, I'm sure you can still achieve success without doing it, but you really need to be operationalizing your curiosity and your inner scientist to, to test out all of these different things and just experiment. I think whether you're a true entrepreneur or in sales, as a team member, you really should tap into that innovation engine as you move through. Tune in next time for the conclusion of our conversation with Wesley. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cascading Leadership. We hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did. Make sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reach out to me at jim at cascadingleadership.com. Tune in next time for another great episode that will help you move your career further faster.